welcome to Crazy Biatch Asians. This is a podcast where we discuss the issues Asians can face in the Western world with a critical mind, a bit of healthy debate, and lots of tea. Hosted by Sydney-based digital marketer Sharon Jiang and journalist Juna Zhu. Hey, hey, hey! On today's episode, we're exploring the world of Asian cuisines and the cultural taboo associated with specific foods found in this region of the world. Why in the Western world are we so desensitized to eating particular animals or parts of animals and yet others make us squirm? What makes a food weird? We're discussing all that now. Shaz, mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Shoot. What are three new foods you really want to try? I think I need to preface to the audience that I am in fact vegan. This limits things to uh, the grain. Exactly. (laughs) I think I'm going to list foods that doesn't fall into the plant-based categories. So number one, this is actually vegan. I want to try Japanese natto. Uh huh. Which is like that, it's a soybean mm. type of dish and it's it looks like a stringy type of bean thing. The second thing is, if I were a meat eater, I would want to try bugs. Yeah, okay. 100%. In the Western form bugs, like how they powder it or actual, no, like actual fried ones, ones where yeah. you find on the streets of Asia. Exactly, okay. like fried ones, like mm. cricket, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean... I hate bugs, but since you've asked, mm-hmm. that is something super strange. Hey, I they're try. high in protein. Oh my god, a hundred low in fat. Exactly, and <laughs> apparently they taste exactly yeah. like the thing that you fry them mm. in. The third thing I would like to try in an ideal world where I'm not vegan is I've heard like pig's blood is actually quite nice. But it's always grossed me out. So even when I was a meat eater, I never had it. What about you? Okay, my number one food that I do want to try, and I know I'm Asian, and yet I have never eaten this. Mm, I feel like I know what you're going to say. It's very disrespectful. (laughs) It's durian. I cannot believe I've never had durian. I know, when you told me that, I was like, come again. Yeah. What makes you want to try it? I'm just curious. Just curious. And you said that it tastes like... It tastes like banana ice cream and a bit of cheese. See, I'm okay with banana, ice cream, and cheese. A little bit. It's like a mixture of those two things. It's like sweet and savory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what's the second thing? Second thing is actually something that's on this list that we're going to go into a bit later. Okay. So you know how I like my sashimi and anything Japanese food related? Yeah. It's something got to do with that. Okay. Okay. We'll just have to wait until we get to that portion of the episode. Uh, What about the third one? And my third one is fish eyes because you know how the fish eye is left to be eaten at a chinese table for the eldest person to eat i do want to try that but maybe i just have to wait until i'm really old exactly you have to wait for your time yeah i have time yet yeah (laughs) has to go to your grandparents first so one day one day okay obviously this episode is all about food glorious food We were eating dinner one day and we got into one of our deep conversations, as we do, about why all of the most obscure or gross foods in the world come from parts of Asia. Mm. Quite literally, if you Google the world's top weirdest foods, Mm -hmm. it comes up with a list of Asian countries. You're so right. And like even fruit as common as durian is still considered gross in many Western countries, which I can understand with durian because it stinks. 
Um, but still, it's considered like very weird and very disgusting. Excuse me, when you boil eggs, that stinks. That's true. And like cheese stinks. <laughs> cheese so, stinks. Blue cheese stinks. Exactly. Let's be honest. <laughs> so today we're going to discuss some foods eaten in Asian countries that the Western world will find unique. Yes. Not, not gross. Unique. Exactly. <laughs> unique. So before diving into this, we just want to preface that in no way are we promoting people to eat these foods, nor are we criticizing those that do eat these foods. We don't want this episode to be something where we make fun of cultures who eat certain things. No. We just want to share some of the things that, you know, you may have never heard of before. We've definitely not really heard of mm-hmm. before. Um, with that being said, let's just jump into it. Okay, well, let's take a trip around the Asian continent, okay, shall we? Let's do it. Where are we starting? I'm going to start off in Korea. Okay. With, drumroll please, live spoonworms, aka penis fish. Uh, come again? <laughs> penis fish. So the Korean word for this is kelbu. If you search up this fish, you'll understand why it is called penis fish. So it's like a long pale brown, gray, pink color, and it just is a long cylinder, nothing Ew. else. Yes. What makes this dish specifically strange is because of the way it's served. Raw mm. and squirming. Nice Ugh. and fresh. You could almost describe it as a squirming off pink pale brown pasta. Yes. Oh, so obviously okay. raw fish is eaten all around the world, yeah. but it's definitely not so energetic when it's served, which is why it is considered strange. Yeah. Why does it move? Is it alive? It's or alive. Is- the taste, it apparently tastes like salt water. Yeah. So the health benefit to this penis fish is that they're high in protein and low in fat and can boost your energy. Okay. Plus, they have aphrodisiac properties. I was going to ask. Yes. I'm like, it can't be called penis fish if it doesn't yeah. have some aphrodisiac thing. Okay, in a non-vegan world, would you try it? I probably would. Mm. I mean, it's it's fish. It mm. tastes like salt water. Yeah. I probably would. Yeah. Like, why not? Let's treat this episode as just literally in a non-vegan world. Like, yeah, low yeah. non-vegan world. Literally. Yeah. Would you try it? Of course. Yes, yeah, why definitely. not? Exactly. It's not really the penis of a fish. No. It's just the just, fish that looks yeah. like a penis. It boosts your energy. Exactly. Low in fat. High exactly. in protein. Like, tick, tick, tick. What can go wrong here? Yeah. Nothing. Okay, so off to the second one. We're going to the Philippines. In the Philippines, there is a famous egg, and I'm pretty oh, sure yes. many of you might have heard of this, or at least seen pictures of this. So it's the famous balut egg. <laughs> So a balut is a fertilized bird egg, and it's usually a duck, which is incubated for a period of 14 to 21 days and then steamed. If you were to Google balut egg, Mm -hmm. lots of people feel really strange about it because it's been incubated for a length of time in which the animal has already grown its shape. So when you eat an egg, you don't really see like arms and legs and a face. But with a balut, when you peel it, you actually see like the little duck. So a lot of people get grossed out by that. So the balut egg is eaten directly from the shell. It's actually considered a great hangover cure because it contains something called cysteine, a substance that breaks down toxins in the liver. Oh, okay. Um, And also in the Philippines, balut eaters prefer salt and or a chili, garlic and vinegar mixture to season their eggs. Okay. You can also find it as a common street food, most notably in Cambodia and Vietnam. Mm. So besides the fact that you're seeing a little mm. a little duck, would you try it? <laughs> 
So the first time I saw this balut egg was on an episode of Hamish and Andy's road trip. That was literally the first time I saw it too. The way that they portrayed it, it was pretty disgusting. And there was this old Asian woman sitting on the side laughing at them because they couldn't down the food. But in saying that, if you blindfolded me, Mm. sprinkled chili, garlic and a vinegar mixture on top of it, I think I would be okay eating it. it. Okay. Just blindfold Apparently you can hear the little crunch of the feet. (laughs) I don't know if that was on the Hamish and Andy. Yeah, I, I remember know. hearing that too. Was that on the Hamish yeah. and Andy show where yeah. they were like, "Oh, I heard the beak yeah. crunch." Shout out to Hamish and Andy for ever listening. Yeah, to yeah. <laughs> okay, so you would eat it, mm, would you? I don't know about this one. Okay, I think it's the visual of the the baby animal mm. that would make me a little bit queasy. Yeah. What is next? Okay, we're taking a trip to Vietnam. Okay, and there is a very popular dish that is. The sandworm omelette. So this dish is prepared from live sandworms, which are caught from mangroves in the region Haiphong. To make the dish, the sandworms are put in hot water to remove their tentacles, and they're mixed with raw egg. Then onions and various spices are added, and the mixture is fried into pancake shapes until it obtains a crispy brown surface. Because the sandworms can only be found in autumn, the dish is not available all year round and is considered a specialty during the autumn. Some vendors use frozen sandworms to be able to serve the dish all year round, but the taste of the fresh sandworms is considered superior. In Vietnam, there is a belief that this creature can help improve arthritis, body aches and the flu. Oh my god. Yes. Give us some of that. Yeah, I know. We're going into winter soon. Yeah. Would you try it? I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fried into pancakes. So, like, what's the issue here? Crispy brown surface. I mean, I totally would. Why not? It sounds really good. It's an omelette. I wonder what it tastes like, to be honest. And I would like to taste the difference between the frozen sandworms and the fresh yeah. sandworms. What makes this so superior, the exactly. fresh sandworms? I reckon it would taste something like, you know, the Chinese oyster pancake? Yeah, it might actually. Yeah. Okay, that's like our that. guess. Yeah. We've never had it, but, but if we go to Vietnam... Mm, we will Vietnam. definitely exactly. try it. Exactly. Well, you would. I would hypothetically <laughs> try it. <laughs> okay. Moving on to South Asia, let's head over to India. From a particular region in India, red ants are collected from the nests along with the eggs laid by them and they are mashed and dried. Mm. Then it's mixed with salt, sweeteners, ginger, coriander and chilies. Yum. God, this actually sounds sounds so good. It apparently tastes so amazing that even celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay, he's massive, added it to his menu. So red ants contain an abundance of healthy proteins and calcium. It's also high in vitamin B12, which is essential for the development of a healthy brain and the nervous system. And it's said that these ants can help battle depression, fatigue, and help build a strong memory. Give me a kilo of these red ant chutney now, ASAP. I feel like I already know the answer to this. Would you try it? Oh, hell yes. I need a DM Gordon Ramsay right now. I know. Okay, so it's a chutney, which means that you can technically use it as dip. Yeah. Sweet potato fries, red ant chutney. On a piece of toast. Literally. What else do people eat chutney with? Just like protein, like fish, chicken, meat, anything. Oh, okay. 
Anything. That sounds really good. And like in the beginning, I said I would like to try insects. This, this would be is, a great yeah, way yeah, to get yeah. into it. All right, where are we heading to next? Okay, this one is from Japan, and this is the one that I said that I wanted to try at the okay. beginning. Okay, <laughs> all right, spill. So, in Japan, there is a very popular delicacy called shirako or shiraku, oh. which translates to white children. <laughs> now, what this is, is milt or sperm okay. sacks of a male cod. Oh. Before you judge me, just hear me out okay <laughs> Alrighty there sometimes it's harvested from anglerfish salmon squid and pufferfish mm. emptier sacs are a translucent white or pink and more shapeless full sacs are white in color opaque and much firmer than emptier ones mm. unfortunately it's a very acquired taste oh. and it's best described oh, as no. runny cream cheese so this can be served in a variety of ways. So tempura, nabe, grilled, and so forth. Okay. When served raw, the shirako is doused in ponzu and garnished with grated daikon, shiso, or finely chopped scallions, which also sound pretty amazing. That sounds really good. Yeah. So the health benefits. Oh, okay. It's supposed to be good for your skin, has anti-aging properties, okay. with high levels of protein and vitamins B12 and D. I heard anti-aging and I thought, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you very much. I'll just smear I, that on my face. I know. But you know what's interesting? Now that we've listed a couple of these weird foods, mm. I find it interesting how it's like the condiments that make it like delicious. delicious. Yeah. Like if you were to eat anything raw, it's gross. But the fact that like a lot of these, you know, weird foods mm-hmm. are paired with coriander, which what, what there's daikon, like scallions. scallions. That, to me, sounds really good. And look, when served raw, I'm pretty sure I'd dip it into soy sauce and wasabi too, with a bit of ginger, yum. Okay, so my question to you is, why do you really want to try this? Like, why was this in your list of top three? I've heard about it everywhere. Oh, you've heard about it? Okay. Because it's a very acquired taste. Yeah. People really dislike it or really like it. Oh, okay. Next up, we're heading to Indonesia. And I actually have personal experience with this particular food. Really? Yeah. This one is for the coffee lovers. All the way from Indonesia, we have Kopi Luwak, which is the world's most expensive coffee. Mm. Doesn't sound very weird right now, does it? You're like, oh, coffee bean. But okay, hold on a second. There is a catch. It's made from poo. Repeat that again. (laughs) (laughs) Not human feces, thank God. It's made from coffee beans that are partially digested and then pooped out by the civet. And this is a cat-like creature which is found in Southeast Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. So basically what happens is these animals, they eat these things called coffee cherries and it goes through their digestive system and it ferments. And that's where the magic lies with this coffee. That's why it's so good. When they poop it out, humans will then take that poop and then clean it into something that we can drink, basically. Okay. So the taste and benefits of the end result coffee comes from the cherries found in the civet excretion. A cup of coffee luwak can sell for as much as $80 in the United States. Unfortunately, as a National Geographic article pointed out, a lot of civets are caged, forced-fed, low-quality cherries, mm. and kept in inhumane conditions. So, not the best industry, no. but it's an interesting 
concept. And when I went to Bali once, I did visit like a coffee, I don't know, I don't know what it was. It was like a coffee place. I, I don't really quite remember, but they sold stuff like this. And I bought a packet to give to my dad. And I'm pretty sure he like drank some of it. And he's like, yeah, this is quite interesting. Did you tell him what it was? Yeah, yeah, he knew exactly what it was. I was like, I bought this home for you. It's made out of like this animal's poo. So like, enjoy. Oh my God. Yeah, so I've seen them in person. Like, and they definitely sell them in Indonesia, 100%. So would you try this? I I would. But now that I know about the inhumane process, Mm. I, I would buy it if it comes naturally from that animal and it's done in a sustainable way i don't see why not yeah yeah i would totally try it like you're not actually drinking it's poop no like it's clean so honestly relax yeah (laughs) okay we've discussed some of the foods eaten across asia that are considered strange Mm -hmm. but why Why is there this cultural taboo? And why are we so desensitized to eating particular animals or parts of animals and yet others scare us or trigger us to squirm? Mm. Why are they defined as weird? Like eating raw fish is fine. Eating pig belly is fine. Eating snakes and escargot is considered a delicacy. Even ox tongue you can get in most restaurants around Australia. 100%. So how can we just assume that these other more uncommon foods in the Asian world aren't just as tasty or normal. Yeah, exactly. This is my personal opinion. I feel like so much of that comes down to our social conditioning. Yeah. I feel like it's low-key racist, Mm. maybe not like fully racist, but like slightly problematic when Anglo people look at Asians and say like, oh my God, you guys eat dogs. That is so gross. Do you guys eat cats? You guys eat this. And I'm talking from a vegan perspective. Mm. To me, they're both animals. Why are you going to make a distinction between one animal that's a dog Mm. and one animal that's a sheep? Why? Because a dog is a pet. So what? People keep lambs as a pet. Mm -hmm. A cow can be equally cute. It's hypocritical to me when, especially people in the West, look at people in the East and snigger at the food. Why? Like, why is that? Because what? It's your social conditioning. Yeah. You've grown up eating with your parents at restaurants in which steaks are served, in which chicken, in which fish, they're all very normalized and they're all presented super well Mm. in front of you. Your brain is desensitized to it. Definitely. Yeah. For example, like dog eating thing. Not that I condone it, but when people go home and they see their, their pet as a dog, they obviously don't associate it with food. No. But that's not the, the case in every single country. Yeah. You can fish as pets. Exactly. So what is the real difference here? Mm. What do you think? Well, there was an article that was in The Guardian. Mm-hmm. And this, the writer, Dr. Kathleen Taylor, said this. And this really caught my eye. Disgust is contagious. So we catch it easily from others and it tells us what's acceptable and what isn't. So again, it's this idea of influence. One person says it's disgusting and then it just catches on. It's like a chain. It's a food chain. Exactly. I feel like we don't actually look at foods objectively. We look Mm. at it very much and connected to our childhood, connected to our emotions, Mm. connected to feelings Mm -hmm. of disgust. So what we're used to as a kid is what we think is normal. Mm -hmm. And if you grow up in a Western world in which supermarkets sell 
beef, lamb, chicken, fish as the things that you considered acceptable. Mm-hmm. Anything other than that is disgusting. Yeah. And like you said, if disgust is contagious, then people can pass that down mm-hmm. to their kids, to their friends. Again, it's this whole concept of we eat with our eyes. Mm. We were saying we'd eat it blindfolded because we can't see. Exactly. What's interesting is I feel like a lot of these weird foods have been taken by like Western chefs and made super aesthetic. And then suddenly it becomes a trend. trend. Mm. But when Asians eat it in, I don't know, their rural backyard, it's deemed disgusting. Why? Because like you said, we eat with our eyes mm-hmm. and it's not presented in a way in which, I don't know, it's got like a flower on it or mm-hmm. something. But on a more positive note, it's great to see more and more chefs in the Western world embrace this idea of sustainable eating. Mm-hmm. So that's where they utilize the entire animal so little to no parts go to waste so for example instead of just using the meaty fillets of a fish they use every single part of the body from the head the eyeballs brain and the lot and people find this appetizing so there is a great restaurant in sydney actually called saint peter in paddington Mm -hmm. so the head chef is josh nyland and his vision is to use fin to scale So when I visited his restaurant, he made the most amazing food, like prawn crackers made from fish eyes. Mm. It was phenomenal. Actually, I have eaten fish eyes. Oh, well, there you go. But But yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to do it at a traditional Chinese restaurant where I take the eyeball and eat it. That's true. Yeah. But because it was made into this amazing food i ate it without hesitation yeah but okay this is what really pisses me off though okay i hate it when white people take something and then make it a trend Mm -hmm. but like asians have been doing it for centuries and been mocked at it it's as if something is considered culturally acceptable when a white person person says it it is the idea of using a whole animal is quite it's ingrained in asian culture Mm, like asians you don't that you don't waste food exactly and maybe it comes from a need to eat the whole thing maybe in history in asia people actually didn't have the money to just throw away the animal i know that in china when china was very poor my parents had to eat the whole animal Mm. not because you know they wanted to they didn't have a choice they didn't have the money to be like i want the best part of that cow and the rest of it yeah. will just go away. And it pisses me off when it literally takes a white chef to be like, I'm going to use the whole animal. And then people are like, oh my God, what a great idea. Um, Hello, that is like not a new idea, mate. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you just pissed off my whole paragraph. So let's cut my paragraph no, 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 no. Are you sure? No, I think it's good if okay, we disagree. Okay, okay, good. I feel like that's an issue that a lot of Asians have to live with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that I had to make amends with i used to get grossed out when my parents eat chicken feet Mm. and like ox blood and stuff like that and now i'm like what's wrong with it what's the difference between eating that and like wagyu beef it's now time for cba college you know like your tutoring school except don't worry we won't keep you here for hours lecturing you about geometry and calculus instead both of us will be sharing our most interesting fact of the week so you actually walk away from this podcast having learned something hopefully exactly so 
What is your fact of the week, Gina? My fact of the week kind of carries on with the whole food theme okay, combined brilliant. with my gross theme. Brilliant. Go for it. So another food, an uncommon food to add to your list is snake wine. So snake wine Ooh. is an alcoholic beverage produced by infusing whole snakes in rice wine or grain alcohol. Now, this drink was first recorded to have been consumed in China during the Western Zhao Dynasty and considered an important part of traditional Chinese medicine in curing people. Wow. So it's quite common in Vietnam now. Okay. And there are two main types of snake wine which utilize each part of a live snake or the entire snake itself. So the first type is... (laughs) steeped snake wine okay i'm really scared to know what this is (laughs) so the whole venomous snake is placed into a glass jar of rice wine or grain alcohol sometimes along with smaller snakes and medicinal herbs and left to steep for many months the wine is drunk as a restorative in small shots or cups the second method is it being mixed So, the fresh body fluids of the snake are mixed directly into prepared alcohol and consumed immediately in the form of a shot. So, it's fermented or then it's drunk immediately. So, snakes are widely believed to possess medicinal qualities and the wine is often advertised to cure everything from loss of eyesight to hair loss and also to increase sexual performance. In Vietnam, snake wine is widely believed by some individuals to improve health and manhood. Yes, manhood. And manhood. manhood. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Okay, um, I'm a little concerned for the snake. Yeah, it, it, is, it has received a lot of criticism. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the most humane no, thing definitely what well, it basically dies of um of drowning mm-hmm. if you're like putting it in a jar like it just drowns yeah. right shit or okay. it's slit so the body fluids Ooh. make the wine so it can be drunk okay what about you what's your fun fact okay okay so mine has nothing to do with food oh good I'm so we're kidding. literally gonna put this food down and we're gonna like take a step away from it <laughs> i need a break something else <laughs> okay this fact was actually given to me by Alex, my boyfriend. Oh, Thor. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. For context, we do a lot of ocean swims together in mm-hmm. Australia. So basically, you do like one, two, five K swims in the summer. Lots of people race. It's basically self-explanatory yeah. ocean swim. And we thought, what is like the biggest ocean swim? Because we thought, oh, it'll definitely be in Australia. Like mm. swimming such an Australian thing. It's in Asia, of course. But honestly, oh, what the yeah. stereotype is Asians can't swim. And the fact that Asia has one of, if not the largest, ocean swim was actually astounding to me. Australia is known for their beautiful oceans. Exactly. And yet the biggest ocean swim is in Asia. Wow. So okay. it's actually called the Sun Moon Lake Swimming Carnival. And it takes place in Taiwan. Oh. It's actually the world's largest mass participation open water swim event so it's the largest as in it has the most amount of people Mm -hmm. not as in length length exactly so it attracts up to twenty (gasps) five thousand entrants 
And if you want to see pictures of this, Google it. How do you and even you'll... swim? Exactly. But it's a non-competitive and a non-timed three-kilometer point-to-point lake swim. So the difference between that and like Australian ones would be like Australian ones, you actually swim as in you actually swim your hardest Mm. and it's a race and you get a time. So people smash it out Mm. with freestyle. But this is a little different. These participants, a lot of them... Don't tell me they have like floaties. Yes, exactly. They sit on pool noodles and they basically like float across the lake. And I've seen videos where people were interviewed doing the swim and there's this team that was like, we are so confident we're going to finish it under two hours. Two hours? I think it was something like absurd. So it's a fun event. It's not a competitive event. Mm. The point of it is to promote exercise and healthy lifestyle and to encourage physical education. So a lot of people swim with their friends. It's just something fun to do. It's like a fun run. Exactly. But a fun swim. With 25,000 people. And floaties. Yes. So please Google it. Google image Sun Moon Lake Swimming Carnival and you'll see that it's actually huge. Would you do it? I would totally do it. It's definitely something I want to do. If I go to Asia, if I go to Taiwan and travel, I'm definitely participating oh, in this. I'll meet you at the end of the three kilometers. Yes, but I actually want to swim it. Like, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. goggles and a cap and, like, but swim But then it. how do you line up? You've got to be at the front yeah, so you I can actually so. swim it. I Otherwise, so. if you're stuck at the back, you're never exactly. going to get through. I think the actual swimmers start first mm. and then they, like, they head off. And then all the floaty people are just kind of floating about. Oh, so, yeah, COVID, when COVID passes. Exactly, when COVID go. passes. Okay, we've reached the end of another episode. Mm -hmm. And a resolution of mine this year was definitely to try new foods. So whether that be something with origins from Asia or Europe or wherever in the world, Mm. this episode has really helped fuel that fire to accomplish this resolution. Absolutely. So I think I'm going to go out and try something new. Maybe durian. Durian. I'll get you some durian. Can you cut it at yours and then bring it over? Mm, Yeah, all right. Just stink up my house. Thank you. (laughs) I think I'm going to go away to a Japanese grocery store and actually get some natto. Okay. That's not too hard to get. Like, I can definitely get my hands on some of that. On that note, if you'd love to hear more from us, please subscribe to Crazy Biarch Asians on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a sec, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can keep going. See you all on the Instagram at Crazy Biarch Asians for the best Asian memes. And you can also find us on TikTok and YouTube. Yes. Chat soon, gang. Bye. Bye.